Uh, welcome everyone to another episode of the Step Outside podcast. My name is Katie Donaldson. I'm the communication specialist for the Department of Forestry, Wildlife, and Fisheries here at the University of Tennessee Institute of Agriculture. And today joining me is PhD candidate Jillian Garl. Thank you for being on today. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to talk about my research. Yes, and last time you were on here, you spoke to Christy about your research on Arboreta throughout the state of Tennessee. Yeah, I did a survey of all the Arboreta managers that are certified through the Tennessee Urban Forestry Council. And then another facet of my research, I identified they have a vision for having a Arboretum within 30 minutes of every community in Tennessee. So I did some GIS research to see where we're at with that right now. And speaking of GIS research, now you're focusing more on urban heat island effects throughout the state. Yes, exactly. And could you talk a little bit about that? I know urban heat island effects basically looks at whenever cities replace natural lands. Yeah. So what they call it is impervious surface cover. So that's going to be concrete, asphalt, pretty much anything that's not natural based. And whenever you get all the surfaces covered in roads and buildings, you don't have trees there anymore to um, block that radiation, to take the sunlight and turn it into transpiration where it's letting off water and um, the evaporation that comes from when roots are in the ground and the soil is actually able to hold on to that water better and release it into the atmosphere. So there's, um, you know, it's a multifaceted thing of what's going on. But what I have found is that there are urban heat islands in Tennessee, and I think that we should work to address those. And how exactly do you think would be the best way to address those right now or in the future? I think that for now, we should be looking at how we can help vulnerable communities. So that's people with a lower socioeconomic status. They don't have as high of an income. They might not have air conditioners. So right now the heat, it kind of, it's an equal opportunity thing. Everybody can get really, really hot. And if you're in the city, there aren't really, you know, places where if there's a high rise and there's a lot of high income people living in it, they are experiencing the urban heat island effects as well. The difference is with those vulnerable communities, they don't have the resources to take action to protect themselves and prevent um, heat-related illness or potentially death. Right now, heat is the number one cause of fatalities with weather-related incidents in America. And I don't think that's really talked about enough. Whenever there are, you know, floods or hurricanes or even fires, they're really like, hot topics, but, you know, it just kind of gets hot every summer and we are dealing with it. But I think that, you know, we need to take more steps to protect people who are unable to protect themselves. And I know your research is here in the state of Tennessee and our biggest cities are Memphis, Nashville, Knoxville, and Chattanooga. Which ones do you think probably are seeing the worst effects from this? I think it it's pretty easily Memphis. It is the area that has the most developed land cover, so it has the least amount of forest cover, and it is also an area with people who are going through financial hardship, so they are the ones who are without those resources. That's what I found. 
are there any efforts right now? It's definitely uh, getting its spot in, you know, the spotlight because Nashville is uh, creating like nonprofits and legislation that's working together. But I feel like it's just kind of like slowly gaining momentum where the issue of urban heat islands are moving at a pace, it's outpacing us. So uh, I think that the amount of effort and attention that we give to it should uh, reflect what's actually happening with the atmosphere. I know you gave Nashville as an example. Is there anything here in Knoxville locally? Yeah, they're actually doing some research right now. Uh, I believe it's with the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. And they are doing community-based research. So they're putting they're putting temperature gauges on people so they can see what is really getting the effect for humans. So I'm not part of that at all, but they're working with the Knoxville Heat Equity Coalition, and they are part of a group of 14 different United States cities that were chosen to participate, and it's called the 2022 Heat Mapping Campaign. And there's a lot of different federal organizations that are actually working together to get that done. And with your research that you're doing, what are you hoping to accomplish with it? So I am just hoping to add to the existing body of knowledge out there. Whenever I did my seminar course, the second topic that I chose was urban heat islands because it really interested me and I thought that it was something that was important. And whenever I gave my seminar, one of the things that they wanted, they wanted more information, they wanted more data about how this is affecting Tennessee and I couldn't find it. So I thought, well, what's already existing? And I worked with our GIS analyst here, Rochelle Butler. She is super duper great. And I'm really excited to be working with her on this project. So we looked at existing data. We didn't create anything. We looked at mean evapotranspiration levels. So that's the amount of moisture that is in the air from trees and bodies of water that are on land. And we looked at the developed land cover, the amount of forested land cover, road density, and socioeconomic factors like the percentage of people living below poverty level or the um, average household income for the communities in uh, smaller tracts of land, as small as we could get it. We are not boots on the ground the way that this other research project is. We're just taking existing data and seeing if we can. Um, draw connections between all these different variables and see, you know, what makes sense, who are the people who need the most help, and kind of start getting a direction for a solution. Is there anything that people can do to help you? Plant a tree. I feel like that's the best thing that you can do is find the right tree for the right place. Make sure that you're not planting something near a building too close or near power lines or something that's buried underground. So pick the right tree for the area that you're in and the place that you're going to put it and love and nurture it and thank it for all of the ecosystem services that it provides to the environment and our communities. And also just take care of yourself and be aware of your surroundings and when we're going to have like extreme heat wave events because those are increasing. We're seeing that more and more. So it's not just people who are 
living in these vulnerable areas, it's people who are working outside, uh, construction workers, people who are recreating outdoors. Uh, pretty much if you're outside and you're in the elements, you are at risk of some sort of heat-related illness if you don't properly take steps to make sure you're hydrated, make sure you're standing in the shade whenever possible, or you just go in and get in the air conditioner, um, just be aware of your body and don't push yourself. And like you said, anyone who's outdoors working would need to take those precautions, but people who live in these urban heat islands really need to pay attention to that. Yeah, there is definitely a difference in what I found. The evapotranspiration levels are lower in these urban areas. And um, on the other hand, we're looking at higher temperatures within the urban heat islands, which I did not look at temperature in my research. I feel like that's a, a good next direction, next step, but it's outside the scope of the research that I've done. So yeah, within those hot areas, it's you're just baking in those impervious surfaces pretty much. And it can kind of stagnate, that air gets stuck there um, and there's not as much airflow. Is there anything that you think is not currently being done in the state of Tennessee that could eventually help? Personally, I believe that the identification of how much tree canopy cover is out there is important. And we are blessed in the state of Tennessee to have a lot of forest in comparison to other states. But we also have a lot of people who are migrating to Tennessee for different reasons. Um, people were trying to get away from those big cities and come to a more rural area and were centrally located where a lot of people can visit for the National Park or for Dollywood or, you know, Nashville, people are coming to Tennessee for other things and they say, man, it's great here. Let's just stay. Let's move here, uh, which is great. But we also need to be aware whenever people are clearing land for businesses and homes and um, even municipal buildings, we need to make sure that we have legislation set up to where land cover is being responsibly changed. And we know that we have tree canopy cover limits say let's try not to get below 30 percent or 40 percent and the closer that we can get to those goals maybe the better the odds of the urban heat island effects getting mitigated and there being less of a difference between the people in the city and the people outside of the city is there anything else you would like to add i think for next steps I am looking at ways that we can take land that is existing, that is unused, and see what steps need to be taken. You know, if a building's condemned, it's unusable, we should probably try to get that off of the land cover and take care of that appropriately. So we can either convert that into land that's being used properly or land that might be converted into an urban forest, which can provide those ecosystem service benefits in a place that was previously working against and actually creating more heat from the impervious surfaces that are being unused. Thank you so much, Jillian, for joining me on this month's episode of the Step Outside podcast. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be sharing this information and hopefully it can spark interest in somebody else who wants to do some work on this.